Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant. This is I Love Basketball, and I'm joined by your favorite host on this network, Anthony Irwin. Anthony, how's it going? As if I was unpopular, I wasn't unpopular enough before. Now I just sound like a frog. Like it, <laughs> <laughs> The hot takes don't even sound decent anymore. It just sounds like I'm, you know, riveting into the, uh, into the croaking. There you go. That was the word I was thinking of. Croaking Riveting is a the... much more fun word, though. We should we should try to make that happen. <laughs> it's what my shows almost never are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, was, that was solid. That's a good pun to start us off with, Anthony. I appreciate it. Um, I'm sorry to hear that allergy season has taken its toll on you, but uh, you know it's the off season. This is a as good a time as any to lose your voice. It's the weirdest thing in Texas. Like they just it just decides to rain for 20 minutes every like third hour and it's just and then it and then it gets it gets hot enough to where uh all of that moisture just like rises back up and i didn't even think like mold is something that people have to worry about outside of california <laughs> like that's a thing that people just live with i had i known that i wouldn't have come out here it's not worth being able to buy a house it's not worth it because now my I house is the moldy. pictures anthony i'm i'm I may quibble with that assessment. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it makes those pictures, if it makes you feel any better, that, that house that you're looking at is all moldy. It's just, <laughs> it's just covered in mold and moss and gross stuff. And it makes my voice sound like this. Yeah, it really, it really does sound like a croak. That's exactly what, <laughs> what we're dealing with right now. Um, speaking of things that croak, the Lakers. <laughs> um, <laughs> are, uh, you know, have their opening week schedule been announced, right? They talked about that on a show yesterday. Uh, pretty obvious choices from my mileage. But um, I do think it's interesting to think about the the rivalries that the NBA is trying to push this year, like mm-hmm. based on those schedules. And I think with the Lakers, it's fairly straightforward, right? Like they're going to play the Warriors. They're going to play the Nets. Uh, mm-hmm. I do wonder when the first nationally televised game against the Clippers happens because that has been, you know, the marquee game for yeah. scheduling each of the last two seasons. And even without Kawhi Leonard, I think that is a compelling matchup uh, because I mean, neither team has ever full strength when they face one another. Like it just, right. it hasn't happened other than that one Christmas game in 2019, which was excellent. Yeah. Magical. Uh, so I do wonder uh, when we're going to see that happen for the Clippers, but the schedule's going to announced on Friday. Uh, and I don't think that, anyone's really considering the Clippers a contender this year in the West, which who knows if that's the right decision or not, but neither ESPN nor TNT is considering the Clippers a, a rival or a contender this year. They got one nationally televised game in this, you know, opus of games that has been released. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a road game, which I think tells you all you need to know about how, they, <laughs> how the world is thinking of the Clippers at the moment. Um, but yeah. Uh, we have a lot of time to kill before it starts the season. That much is clear. And uh, I think free agency is basically over. You know, the Lakers have a couple spots to go. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're going to sign anyone of real consequence with those last two spots. Um, obviously, we heard the names that they had worked out. Mike James, uh, Darren Collison, old friend Darren Collison, who was given just quite the hero's yeah. welcome when he attended a Laker game a year and a half ago. Former future and Laker, Darrison Collison. Darrison <laughs> <Darren> <laughs> <Carlson>. <laughs> and Isaiah Thomas, another former Laker. Just 
dear Lord, the Lakers have a type, but I think it's fair to say that the teams that are currently constructed are basically what we're going to be dealing with for the bulk of the regular season, give or take a Ben Simmons. Is that a fair Mm -hmm. assumption? So it might not be a a terrible time to uh, figure out who the Lakers should be most threatened by at this particular juncture. Uh, why Why don't we start with the West? Anyone in particular really, I don't know, seems like they could give the Lakers a run for their money. Well, that's honestly what stands out to me is that nobody stands out. Hmm. Like I look at the West and I just say, Utah's, we've read that book. It's not worth rereading. Phoenix, like I, I want to see what Phoenix looks like in a year where everybody has their best and second best players against them. Denver, not going to have Jamal Murray. Clippers aren't going to have Kawhi Leonard. Maybe Dallas takes a leap, you know, and, 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 Luca becomes even more special than he's been, but I've never thought that if Dallas was to take a leap, that it would be predicated on Luca. It would be somebody next to Luca not being awful. Um, and then you have like Portland and Memphis and Golden State's going to be better, but it's hard to really trust a, a team relying as heavily as Golden State is relying on a player who has missed the last two calendar years. And so I, if you look at the West, I think the Lakers have to be prohibitive favorites, not just favorites, but like if you can get positive money on the Lakers to come out of the West, I think you got to take it. Yeah. I, uh, unsurprisingly, I'm a little bit less optimistic than you are in terms of the Western <laughs> conference. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the Clippers, I'm pretty much going to ride out because I don't think Kawhi Leonard is going to come back anything close to his full self. this if season. At all. No. Yeah. And without him, it just, it's not a very concerning team because their whole advantage over the Lakers is their ability to exert their size, you know, mm, on the wing. On the and wing. you can't really do that without Kawhi. So that I was going to ask, like with Kawhi taking the, what was a three year with three an option one, for the yeah. forced mm-hmm. uh, with the fourth year. How did you take that? Because for me, I, I saw it as, oh, he's getting the money that he can get right now while his knee gets back to, to full strength. And then maybe if the next couple of years after that are okay, he can cash in one more time. But it, it looked to me like he was taking uh, the, the most number of years he can get with maybe one more chance at, at paying out. I thought that had a lot to do with his knee. Uh, so I, I kind of thought he overplayed his hand because he could have gotten more money by opting in and then extending. Um, but that would have locked him in for more years than he's currently signed for. Uh, but then, you know, by opting out, he, he, there was rumors that he was going to take meetings with other teams and all of those other teams were like, no, we don't believe that you're actually going to sign with us right. and immediately use their cap space. Like you saw Miami mm-hmm. immediately go out and get Kyle Lowry, Dallas, you know, ink those deals to Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway jr. Um, and so I think the Clippers were in a situation where, you know, obviously Kawhi was going to come back and they weren't interested in paying him a salary for like a one and one when he could easily just opt out of that one and then right. leave. Right. So I, I think he kind of misread the situation, like in as much that he's still getting paid a max contract and hasn't really suffered financially for it at all. But I do think that he expected to have more, any suitors, um, more <laughs> leverage over this situation than he yeah. did. Uh, and I, I don't think the Clippers were interested in giving him that short-term deal. 
because I, I think they're reading it the same way you are, that they do not anticipate him playing this year. And what's the point of paying a guy, you know, $40 million rehab, to just rehab, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and we saw a similar situation with like Durant and Clay Thompson where, you know, teams were more than happy to sign them knowing that they'd missed the first year of their contract, but like with the expectation that they'd get extra years at the end of that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously that's worked out with Brooklyn because Durant is extended there, right? I, working on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Working on an extension there. Yeah. So yeah, my, my gut says that he's not going to come back this season. Like uh, just the level of, you know, conservatism that they've displayed with his health throughout the course of his career. And the fact that this is like a series of leg injuries on the same leg. Uh, I don't see it happening. And it's also a shorter off season. So yeah. Uh, I kind of land the same way you do. And, and then, and then the other thing too with Kawhi that's that's interesting is it's not just the level of conservatism that teams have with him because he, I, if, maybe I, I misread the the reports or as as you know I don't read very often, Correct. but <laughs> but um, but I, I I thought I saw that like there was an initial report that he tore his ACL and then they quickly doused what you know doused those flames and then it turns out and then and then they did the whole like oh he's he might come back next series oh he might come back next week he might and then he winds up being out for the entirety of the playoffs and i believe had surgery to repair his acl and it's like i mean are you peeing on everybody and telling everybody it's rain or or (laughs) were those initial reports right in the first place. And, and cause there was, there was also the reports I believe I saw where he is frustrated or was frustrated with the Clippers handling of that situation. And that makes what three consecutive teams that he was frustrated with how they handled information about his injuries at a certain, at, at a certain point, you're not angry at the teams you're lashing out at the teams. You're angry at the situation that your body has put you in. And, and I think, the combination of all of this, where the deal that he signs, the league basically moving on from him. Like there was so much noise about other moves throughout the NBA in the offseason. I think it really flew under the radar. The entire NBA said to Kawhi Leonard, like, nah, we're all right. Like even <laughs> we're, just we're good. Like an informational meeting with the guy, you know? Uh yeah. Like there are so many times when someone's a restricted free agent and you meet with him just in case like a relationship can develop down the line or, you know, Pat Riley, like sending out Dwayne Wade as like a a secret agent during the 2010 free agency Mm -hmm. to learn about other teams pitches. Like, yeah, there's, it just seems like there could have been something to be gained from meeting with Kawhi. And like you said, everybody just decided, nah, we're not dealing with this. (laughs) We're good. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to buy uncle Dennis, his third Jose Andres dinner. Like we're, we're all right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good luck in it with with your knee buddy <laughs> yeah um but all that is very long prelude to say that i i don't think the clippers are a serious contender so long as Kawhi leonard is out uh clearly the nba seems to treat them that way because they were shoved off of the christmas slate um which you know whatever like it's, it's a lot of california basketball on the christmas <laughs> slate. I, I think we're just fine without the clippers um i do want to push back a little bit on utah okay uh, just because the lakers haven't played them in a playoff series and it, very long time. I think it was back in the Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer days was the last time they faced the jazz in the playoffs. So it's not like they've, you know, had the opportunity to play meaningful games against the jazz in a very long time. And I think the way you beat the Lakers, I'm sorry, the jazz is with 
what, what the Clippers did, right? Like just mm-hmm. spacing out and neutralizing Gobert. And that's not really the way the Lakers play. The Lakers are very mm-hmm. much a smash mouth, apply pressure on the rim, overwhelm you with our physical strengths. And that's the kind of thing that Rudy Gobert is very well suited to contain. So mm-hmm. I, I'm of the belief that Utah is kind of a paper tiger. Like they're not as good as their regular season record would suggest. They're very good within their system and less flexible to move beyond that system. But I don't think they'd have to move beyond that system to contain the Lakers. Yeah. My thing, it's not so much about the way that Utah and the Lakers match up as much as it is like everybody in Utah in that organization has to know the deal deal by now, right? Like, they were trying to trade Joe Ingles this year. They were trying to sell pieces because their luxury taxes are too high for a team that might get out of the second round, you know, and, and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, I think they both kind of know at this point, we aren't the second or the best and second best players on a championship level team. And I kind of wonder with all that being understood and with potential trades and and pieces being sold out sold off over the course of the season if utah just isn't in the picture by the end of the year because they are just kind of done listening to the same song yeah i i actually have a lot more faith in mitchell as a potential not maybe not number one guy like i I sort of view him in that devin booker level Mm -hmm. where he's going to need a guy who's equally as good as him you know to contend and i'm not sure if Rudy is that guy just because of his offensive limitations, but I don't know, like the, there were a couple of regular season games against the Lakers last year where like Utah just ran the Lakers off the floor. And obviously the Lakers mm-hmm. were not completely healthy in most of the situations, I think, but when they get rolling, like they're a very front they're running impressive. team, they can't but be. yeah, but like that, that gear that they can hit, I think is about as high as anybody in the league. Mm. So I'm not sure if they're going to, you know, reach that same level of success this year as they did last year when, you know, pretty much everything worked for them during the regular season up until the very end when Mitchell got hurt. But like, I look at their playoffs and I, I see, you know, Mitchell was hurt. Like he was coming off of an ankle injury and they didn't have Mike Conley for essentially the entire series against the Clippers. And then Rudy got hurt to the point where he lost a jump ball to Marcus Morris in the final game. And like, there's no reason that Rudy Gobert should not be able to jump higher than Marcus Morris. Like clearly something was affecting him physically. So I, I like the jazz. I think they're well coached. I think that they have just more talent than just about any other team, you know, that's going on here. I, I, I agree with what you're saying that like ownership doesn't exactly seem to be committed to putting out the best possible team they can, Mm -hmm. but like, other than the Nets, like what ownership group is committed to putting up the best possible team, right? Like which one isn't taking financial shortcuts. Uh, So yeah, I, I think that's, that's a team that I would assign a little bit more credit to Um, just because like, you know, there's less questions to me about what they're capable of. Like everyone else, like if this goes right, if this goes right, like Utah, I've seen what they can do. And yeah, maybe it's not as good as like what the Lakers could be or what even the Clippers could be, but like, I, I trust them to reach like a higher floor, I guess, than most other teams. And like consistent competence counts for a lot. So I I can't, it's not like I'm going to disagree with consistent competence being um, important. I just, 
I just don't think that competence like puts you in the bracket of where the Lakers are in the West right now. Now, look, maybe things go right. Like, I think the team technically that I'm more nervous about than Utah is probably Denver because I don't think you need Jamal Murray at the early part of the season. Jokic is the MVP. He's their system anyway. They looked really, really good when Aaron Gordon got there. Um, maybe MPJ takes a step forward as well. And and I just think, like, if we're talking, because I think right now the Lakers are the best team in the West, uh, and we're talking about which team throws the most impress- impressive pitch, right? Which team would stand in the ring with the Lakers and potentially knock them the bleep out? I feel like Denver is the one that I'm the most nervous about because, like, we might be at a stage now where Jokic outplays LeBron and outplays AD, you know, Ooh, in in a series, that's a take. Um, it might be. I I'm just saying, like in terms of where LeBron is in his career, at some point it, it might it's going to happen. Like at some point, some player is going to outplay LeBron in a series, and like I just I don't see anybody on Utah who is capable of doing that in the same way that Jokic is. I don't see anybody on Phoenix who is capable of doing that in the way that Jokic is, and if Jokic. It reaches that level, which is a giant if. And yeah, it is a hot take because like, it's not the kind of thing that I'm predicting to happen. He just makes me more nervous than any of the other players in, in, in the rest of the conference, frankly. Yeah. The thing with Jokic is like, there are ways to beat him. You know, I, I think defensively he leaves a lot to be desired and, you know, Phoenix mm-hmm. just carved him up on the pick and roll over and over again but the Lakers don't really play that way. Right. They don't have like a a guard operator. Who's going to beat you on the pick and roll the way Chris Paul or Devin Booker does. um, Which is why I think Denver is interesting. And like, I know uh, there was a lot of talk about like how Dwight Howard shut down Jokic and like 80, like defensively at the five was such a big thing for the Lakers in that Denver series. I don't think they won that series because they stopped Jokic. I think they won that series because they were able to outscore Denver and they were able to stop everybody else on Denver. Um, like all I remember is Jokic going at Anthony Davis scoring on him and just the Lakers being able to do the same on the other end. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that there is a very valid argument that Jokic is like the best offensive player the Lakers could go against. I think he's very beatable on the other end. It's just yeah. like, are the Lakers the team that's equipped to do that? I don't know. Um, again, that the Denver thing is just another one where if Jamal Murray isn't back, I have, yeah. literally no concern about this team because their guard rotation is just trash like they're <laughs> trash <laughs> yeah with all due yeah. respect to monte morris you know 2017 lakers summer league legend pj dozier uh their guard rotation is not great it's just yeah. not what you need to win a title um i mean i think like the lakers had like the second worst guard rotation in the playoffs last year and then and then it was denver but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's sort of where i land i it was such a bummer to watch Jamal go out last year because that team was so much fun to watch. Um, And like all of their pieces just look less impressive when there isn't a second star for them to compliment. Like MPJ, I I don't know. His game is just not that much fun to me, but like Aaron Gordon just Mm -hmm. completely looked like fish out of water when he had to do more things. Right. It was like, Oh crap. I'm in Orlando again with nobody good around me. (laughs) Right. Right. Slightly better Nicola at center than (laughs) Vucevic. Well, cause I I remember, yeah, because I when he got there, he went into the right role. He was being mm-hmm. asked, he's like, third best player. We don't even really need you to score. Go out there and put the clamps on the other team's athletic wing and finish backdoor cuts with with Jokic throwing those passes. And I was like, this is 
This is what he was born to do. This is what Aaron Gordon is, 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 is in the NBA to do. And then, and then, yeah, then Jamal Murray goes down and everybody gets shifted up one role too high for themselves where MPJ is being asked to be the second best scorer, go out and get your own bucket in, in playoff games. And uh, even Jokic, I would say was pushed up a level too high where yes, he was the MVP, but he's not like prime LeBron James type MVP. He where had you to do he, all of the playmaking. Everything. Scoring. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so like, and I, I hope that Murray is able to come back one. Cause I just like watching the guy play. And then two, because I, I just think Denver, I, I, I wanted to give Denver credit for like actually selling out, going out and mm-hmm. getting Aaron Gordon and, and, and finally doing the thing that I'd been begging Adam Matas to tell his team to do is like, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are really good. You're right there. Go get the guy that puts you puts you over the limit. And then yeah. and then they they do and it looks like it works and then unfortunately, you know, 20 the the 20 uh 20 season just basically did the 2020 season thing. Yeah, but you you bring up a really good point about Aaron Gordon just disrupting the team's other team's best wing. Uh that's another reason why I think Denver is interesting because mm-hmm. like there there is a prototype of player that can slow down LeBron James and like mm-hmm. <laughs> this is silly to say, but like the Lakers have traditionally had trouble against Orlando during the regular season when they shouldn't just because that's all Orlando is. They just have long rangy wings to throw at LeBron. And Aaron Gordon is one of those guys where he, he bodied up Kawhi Leonard in the matchups that I watched against Mm -hmm. the Clippers, you know, and like Kawhi physical specimen on a similar level to LeBron, you know, obviously not the same, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's the kind of thing that worries me a little bit with the Lakers. Like these teams that just don't have wings, like good luck, you know, Mm -hmm. but when you've got even one, like Jeremy Grant was not that guy for all of the hoopla he got after the playoffs. Yeah. He just gets bullied by LeBron. Aaron Gordon does Mm -hmm. not get bullied. He's, you know, exactly the kind of player you want to guard him. So yeah. I, I mean, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like just talking myself into Denver being a potential contender here because They've got specifically what you would want against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And, and they have time. Like, I just think Jokic is good enough to keep them in the playoff hunt until Murray comes back. And maybe he doesn't. Maybe Murray just doesn't come back. His mm-hmm. injury was brutal to watch. And it's the kind of injury that does usually take closer to 18 months than 12. Yeah, and- we've seen that with ACLs recently, how they've just had a longer timeline. Yeah, and so maybe that's the case here, and Denver isn't going to matter. But I, I think I would rather, if I had to put, if I had to put money down on a non-Lakers team to to come out of the West, just heading into it, I think there's more value on Denver than there is on Utah. Um, just because, again, I and I know this is this is childish analysis on my part, where <laughs> like Vernon Maxwell like, coming out here, <laughs> like. I, I it's it's I, I mean it from the standpoint of like we we have seen the same song played, but we saw the same song played by Milwaukee and then they break through. So maybe this is the year that Utah does the thing that Milwaukee did last year, where we had seen the same song played over and over again, where Milwaukee looks incredible in the regular season and becomes laughable in the postseason until they aren't. So maybe that's the year that or this would be the year that Utah does that I just like the the reason Milwaukee broke through was because Giannis figured some stuff out I just don't think Utah has a guy like Giannis who can figure some stuff out I mean that's that's not a hot take at all Utah does not have a Giannis (laughs) 
They don't even have an out of Tecumpo. Oh, like, there's like five of them out there. On Utah. <laughs> they, don't... <laughs> yeah. they don't even have like the soccer playing one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, Jazz, what are you thinking? You got to employ one not to make them hopefully two in order to contend these days. That's the blueprint. Exactly. <laughs> I guess it's just a matter of like whether you trust uh, that Denver can hit that upside, you know, yeah. versus like I think a team that probably is going to finish with a better regular season record and will have home court and like that. That matters mm-hmm. to me, at least. Um, so we talked about Clippers. Uh, do, you, do you worry at all about like Phoenix was just that was not even the next team I was going to go to, honestly. Isn't it crazy? Like they were just in the finals. They like, did they were, technically just beat the Lakers. <laughs> they, they blew out the Lakers. Now, obviously, circumstances matter and, yeah. and all of that, but like this was a really good team last year. And, and I don't hear anybody saying, like, well, we think. Phoenix is coming back for more. Yeah, I don't see it happening. Um, talked about the wing thing. Uh, Jay Crowder, for all of his gifts as a basketball player, like the lasting image of that playoff series to me is still LeBron James posting up Jay Crowder and Andre Drummond, like mimicking <laughs> it on the bench. The, the, the yeah. greatest Andre Drummond moment in Laker history. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, Jay Crowder, other than him, like resigning your or signing in Philly, like I, yeah, I, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> What a, what a weird situation that's going to be, but yeah, I don't, I don't trust Jake Rodgers to be the guy who stops LeBron. Like they, they were not stopping LeBron in that series. That was absolutely not the case. The reason they won is because the Lakers were a complete tire fire when LeBron was on the bench. Um, and hopefully that's less of a case when Anthony Davis is available or Russell Westbrook is, you know, around. So yeah, Phoenix does not concern me. I don't think Chris Paul is going to have a season as good as he did the year mm-hmm. we just had, but I mean, I do think Devin Booker is going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just think Phoenix is like conventional enough to the point where like the Lakers can still play big against them. And yeah. uh, that really works in the Lakers favor. Like again, yeah, Phoenix just beat the Lakers, but through three games, I, we were all talking about how the Lakers had solved them. Right. Like mm-hmm. it was, right. It was I think done. that was like the last <laughs> they, I think you and I recorded I, about that. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the most popular podcasts from last season was us saying, did the Lakers just figure out the Suns? Yeah. I stand by it. got hurt. <laughs> Yeah, I know me too. Well, that's the thing is that like, I, look, I, I don't want to be completely dismissive here, especially because, you know, Seth is somebody that we meet with on a weekly basis. Sure. But, but. Does he like, ever listen to you talk though, Anthony? <laughs> only, only, he might have me muted in those, in those meetings. And I think about it, but, but like, I don't want to be completely dismissive of a team that was just in the finals. And a lot of the pieces are going to be returning and improving. Like, Maybe Chris Paul takes a step back, but Booker makes up for it with his next step. Um, Mikhail Bridges is still young. Aiton mm-hmm. is still young. Um, we haven't heard Aiton complaining about post touches, which is a big non-development for, for me and, and what he can still be. And so, like, I don't want to be completely dismissive, but that has to be one of the luckiest routes to the to the finals that we've ever seen. Like, where where everybody broke down every whether not specifically against them but just over the course of the season the entire west had at least one if not two major injuries to their best two players and i i just i just it's hard for me to completely take myself away from from those facts in trying to analyze what phoenix was last year because it wasn't 
it wasn't like Phoenix was overwhelming even against the teams that they beat. Like they they beat the 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 crap out of the Lakers, but that's what usually happens when LeBron isn't 100% and they lose Anthony Davis. But I didn't find myself saying like, man, this is one hell of an overwhelming team here in Phoenix. We this is this is the future Warriors when they the year before they won 73 games or whatever it was, 72 games. This is a fine team that circumstances helped out quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I was very impressed by their demolition of Denver. You know, I think that's what they were supposed to do against a team that was mm-hmm. undermatched. And, like, it's probably the most impressive they looked throughout the entire postseason run. But mm-hmm. and it, it's not nothing. You know, to stop the MVP is not nothing. So, like you said, they they have players who should keep getting better. Like, other than Crowder and Paul, I would say everybody should be better next year. Yeah. I just think that there's, like, a certain – you don't see this in the NBA as often as you do in like the NFL, but like teams that make deep postseason runs and then lose in the Super Bowl, they always suck the next year. Like it's really, really bad. The hangover, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that hangover exists like in the NBA to the same extent, but I do think that there was just a certain magic that was in that season, like just starting the bubble that mm-hmm. is going to be very hard to replicate. Like that particular elixir of chemistry is just so what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it, well, it's, it's impossible to no, replicate. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and we saw that with the Lakers, obviously, like they changed pieces too, but you know, it just, yeah. it wasn't the same. And I, it was just like a very charmed existence for the Suns. And I, I could totally see them, you know, getting the number one seed in the West again. I just don't think that they're going to have the same level of domination that they did because like, that was a very good team, you know? Um, but I, I don't see them reaching those heights again, just because there's like more time to scout them now. Like I think there's been like a, yeah. a blueprint on, you know, what they do. They're not going to be surprising anyone. And I always wonder in the back of those guys' minds, like if they know that last year was the year to get it and you come into this year and, and they're all super competitive and they are all, they, they have great players on their team. But when you have circumstances that were as extraordinary as they were last year, just given the teams that they played against, and route to the finals. I kind of wonder if you, if those guys aren't kicking themselves saying like, man, that feels like it, we, we can't plan on every team in the West breaking down again. Yeah. And maybe they're better. And maybe, maybe they say like, if we just get one or two more breaks this year, or, or maybe they say that they are competitive enough to where and talented enough to where they don't need those breaks and they prove everybody wrong. But I, I just thought that they really needed those breaks. They got those breaks and they didn't take full advantage when they, when they lost in the finals. You mentioned the Warriors in comparison earlier, like the ones who came back and won 73 games after winning the title. Uh, I do wonder if us just clowning on the Suns all off season is going to have a similar effect to where they, <laughs> like, you know, just really take it to the rest of the league because like, I mean, we, we mentioned all the reasons why they could be better, right? They have a good coach. They've got two young mm-hmm. stars. They've got all the role players. Nothing really changed, right? I, If I'm remembering correctly, they brought back the entire band. Like, Javon Carter is gone, but was he playing, you know, minutes during the regular season? Like, Dario Saric is gone. I, I do think that is a meaningful loss, but, like, during the regular season, it's, it's fine if you just find some random big – like, JaVale McGee will be fine in that role, right. you know, mm-hmm. during the regular season. So, maybe, maybe I am underrating better. them from, like, a regular season perspective because – like that is a deep team that knows how to play together uh, and clearly has like young legs to last for 82 games. But I'm with you. Like nothing that happened during the postseason makes me think that, Oh, like they watch out. Yeah. They right? come. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. 
Um, I do want to just touch on Dallas real quick. You said that like uh, they've kind of given the Lakers a hard time recently. Um, I guess they won two games against the Lakers this past season, but those are both again in that injured phase. Like it's yeah. The thing to me with Dallas is like they got a coaching downgrade this offseason. So yeah, um, a big one, like one of the biggest uh, downgrades you can take. That makes me a lot less concerned about what Dallas is capable of during the postseason. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Like a pretty big coaching downgrade. It's going to tell Luca to stop shooting threes and it's yeah. going to help everybody. I can't wait. I, I do always worry about the teams with like jitterbug guards, you know, that can just run on the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Memphis is there yet. You know, like John Morant is, is great. And I think he's, he would give Russell Westbrook just a hell of a time, but I don't think that Memphis is there yet. Uh, that's kind of the Spider-Man beauty of pointing meme. Like it's John Russ. Yeah. That's, that's what concerns me about Utah. I, I hate to keep bringing them up, but like they have just those shiftier, smaller guards who can give the mm-hmm. Lakers point of attack defense some fits. Um, but I'm not sure that any Western team has like the combination of like, you know, other good players with that <laughs> one guard. <laughs> This is the worst the West has been in a while, right? I think the East is better, which is crazy. Like, I hate that the East is better. It just flies in the face of all of my, you know, West Coast exceptionalism. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, it's been a long title streak that we've, yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) (laughs) we're going on a couple decades of the West. Did we mention the Warriors? Did we talk about the Warriors? I think we talked about the Warriors. In passing, I'm not, I I just, I just can't trust those, yeah, those, those injuries. That's why it's kind of, surprised that the Warriors got the Lakers on opening night. Like I would have thought that the league would want Lakers Warriors a little bit later in the year, just in case it takes clay a little bit more time just to give. I'm not even sure he's back by Christmas, honestly. Uh, Right. But just in general, the game was such a miraculous success that they were just like, Oh, we'll just do the same game again. You know, we're going to replay the the thing of LeBron saying that he saw three rims and shot at the middle one and that Steph nodding GIF, you know, from like when the Lakers made their comeback. There's a lot of easily packageable moments that the league can put together. I can I can see it all in my head right now. Like, it's just, oh, this thing worked. It's like the last thing that worked during the playoffs. Let's Mm -hmm. run it back. (laughs) I I, yeah, it's going to be like previously on Lakers Warriors and it's just going to be the game (laughs) that those guys played. Yeah, I just I in general, the way that the league approaches doling out these games is always weird to me because like, obviously you want the Lakers involved in your, in your flag post moments. Uh, obviously you want, you know, the nets are going to be involved. The warriors are going to be involved, but I've always kind of like thrown off by why they would put those teams against each other on those days. Because who like, if you're watching the Lakers, you aren't going to watch the Lakers for their opponent. You could put any, you could, you could throw the, the Nuggets out there against the, the Lakers and it's going to get a giant rating. You could throw the Warriors against like New Orleans and it's going to get a giant rating. I've always kind of been. And then and then you also the Lakers and Nets are going to play two other times. You can get that same big rating whenever it is that the Lakers and, and Nets play again. You could put it on MLK Day or you could put it on whatever other day and it's going to get a giant rating whenever they play. So I'm always kind of. I mean, whoever is doing this is much smarter than me. Um, but but I just I find myself wondering if this isn't kind of a misallocation of resources when it comes to the big games that the Lakers are going to be playing in. 
I disagree. Uh, I think that you want to see as many stars together as possible. Like Christmas is the NBA showcase day and they're kind of screwed this year because the NFL is also playing on Christmas. I think it's on a weekend. Um, Even more reason to not do it the way it did. Like you, you just have to throw in as many, you know, big names as possible. Like the Lakers Nets game is stupid in how much like all-star talent or you know, 2010s all-star talent is on those two teams. <laughs> Hall of like, Fame talent. Let's all let's of it that the way. OKC, you know, young trio, right, is in that mm-hmm. game. We've got Carmelo Anthony. We've got Dwight Howard. We've got Blake Griffin. Like every big yeah. name that a casual NBA fan could possibly think of, 80% of them. We even have Steve game. Nash. <laughs> we even have Steve Nash. <laughs> Legitimately, 80% of those names are in this game. I think Christmas has got to be your biggest possible game. So I, mm-hmm. I'm all for, you know, putting that on the holiday. I also think that like, like Lakers warriors did bigger numbers than, you know, Lakers sons. Like, I don't think you're mm-hmm. creating an audience for other teams. Like, let's say the Lakers were to play, you know, the, the Pelicans. Like, I don't think it's doing anything for that younger team. If they just get blown out. Right. Like they've got to be competitive in the, the last oh, yeah, for sure. set of games were so a good game. So um, mismatched, right. Like the Mavericks got blown out by the Lakers and uh, that Denver Clippers game wasn't very good. And then, up until Kawhi got like smashed in the face. Um, like, I don't remember there being any very compelling game. So yeah, I, I don't think you want to bury Lakers nets on like a Thursday TNT game. Like people aren't just going to show up for that. I think you want to put it in the biggest spotlight you, possible. You just, you just gave all the reasons why it's going to do a giant number. And I don't think you can bury that. Like, I don't think it's possible to bury it's just that a random that Thursday. I don't think people are going to tune in the same way. They're going to like, forget it happened. You can't promote a Thursday TNT game. Like the same way that you can a Christmas game. They're going to be talking about this game for two months leading up to it. They had a freaking one hour jump special to announce seven games. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do you, think you know what they should do. They should make like the game before the all-star break, like make that your big, and then you get the momentum going into the all-star break. You let those guys, although then you risk the the load management on the right before the, nah, I take that back. I was wrong. <laughs> I mean, agree and disagree, but I, I think this is the right yeah. idea. Um, I, I'm sure you guys talked about like the Christmas day and stuff yesterday, but um, it took me forever to figure out why they excited. had, it took For- me forever why they figure out like they had the jazz playing the Mavericks and then someone explained to me that it was like France versus Slovenia again, which was an incredible Olympics game. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Is going to be standing, <laughs> sitting courtside? Like what's going on there? <laughs> um, but that was, that was really funny to me to think that the NBA was trying to replicate like the best game of the Olympics with two of the players. <laughs> hey, Tony Parker, are you busy? <laughs> Do you, <laughs> I don't think Frank Milikina has been signed yet. Maybe he can show up. <laughs> hey, Zoran Dragic. What are you, what are you up to? <laughs> what are <we> doing? <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I, uh, I think we kind of buried the lead with this whole, uh, you know, contenders that concern the Lakers thing, because we spent the last five minutes talking about the one team that really does concern the Lakers. And that's the Brooklyn Nets who were mm-hmm. what, uh, half shoe size away from winning the title last year um, mm-hmm. with all due respect to the Atlanta Hawks and the Phoenix Suns, but a half shoe size away from winning the NBA title last year. Right. People in my circles keep getting mad at me that I don't think the Lakers are the favorites. I think Brooklyn is like a commanding favorite. Uh, there is so much talent on that team. And like to think about how good they were without James Harden and Kyrie Irving in that playoff series, 
Like you talked about, you know, Jokic potentially outplaying LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the playoff series. Kevin Durant has done that has multiple done it, times yeah. and mm-hmm. he can do it again. Yeah. Like he has hit the two-year mark of recovering from that serious Achilles injury and he looks phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I, I would be absolutely terrified to see Kevin Durant opposite me in a playoff series. Like I, I distinctly <laughs> remember how it felt in 2012, honestly. Regardless of sport. Like if we were playing volleyball, I'd be like, I'm Whatever screwed. it is, handball, <laughs> rowing. Like. This guy's just better at me than stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, no, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on, on Brooklyn in general. Um, I, I just think, I just think they, any questions that we had about those guys fitting when healthy together were answered and then they got hurt. You know, they, they looked really, really good when they were all three together and then they got hurt. And, um, and I just think with all three of those guys, they, they did get like an extra month or so to get ready for next season. Um, that's gonna, that's gonna really benefit, uh, both the Lakers and the Nets. Uh, but, but yeah, I just think like the Nets are just a better team right now. And, and, you know, top to bottom, I, I would feel better about it if the Lakers kept up with spending on their, you know, going into the tax to keep up with them because the numbers in terms of what the Nets pay to keep their team together or, or whatever, even while they lost Dinwiddie to tax reasons. Um, he also they, just wasn't going to play. He didn't want to come back. Yeah, that too. And yeah. so, but I just think like you, it is a it is a big advantage to outspend the team that you're going to be playing against by like 50 million bucks like that that's going to matter that's a lot more money that you're spending on your roster and and generally speaking you have to pay up to get the right kind of talent there and you know i we're just we're just hoping that the mom and pop shop lakers can <laughs> can stay competitive <laughs> i i don't have enough self control to stop this upcoming sentence, but it would really help to have Alex Caruso in a series yes. against the Brooklyn Nets that he could guard yeah. James Harden. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, I don't think he could guard Kyrie Irving. I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> I don't think he could guard Kyrie Irving. Well, I surely I do don't acknowledge think Kendrick Nunn can guard Kyrie Irving. Caruso. I acknowledge limitations. <laughs> I don't but think I Malik think Monk could guard is James Harden. <laughs> Malik Monk might score on the Lakers by trying to guard Kyrie Irving in a big moment. You know, yeah. like the. It's a serious hole that the Lakers have out there. The the fact that they, you know, KCP has has had minutes or moments uh, being competitive out there and 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 utilizing what like that's the kind of matchup that KCP was okay in was a shorter guard that he actually has a length advantage in. And, and he's fast. KCP's yeah. fast. He's not going to get like you know beaten down the floor by someone quicker than him. That just doesn't right. happen. And then and then you know Russ is going to gamble on you know a few too many plays and Irving is going to get wide open threes. And, and that terrifies me, you know, that, uh, and then, and then when it comes to like how Brooklyn defends the Lakers, Brooklyn has a player out there and Russ who they don't have to care about when, when LeBron has the ball down the stretch of those games. So like, yeah, just in terms of on paper right now, until we see all these pieces together, because maybe Russell Westbrook is finally open to setting a ball screen for LeBron James. And you put Russ in the short roll, and I don't—I legitimately don't know how you guard that, other than hoping he shoots. It sounds incredible, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but he's never been interested in doing it. Like mm-hmm. Russ has never shown any interest in doing that, no matter what teammate he's had. Um, and and maybe, you know, maybe AD plays the center and just absolutely crushes whoever is is across from him, which 
we saw in the bubble. Like we we have seen that happen before. So maybe that's something that you're that you're optimistic about. But this the the chances that we have at seeing those things take place are equal, if not uh, higher, a higher op, uh, chance that we see Kevin Durant do Kevin Durant things or uh, James Harden do James Harden things. Like those guys, those guys terrify me. And again, like it's just you know. It, I just don't know how the Lakers get stops against that team, given the fact that the Lakers lost probably their three best non-LeBron perimeter defenders and replaced them with, at best, a potentially washed uh, Trevor Ariza. Well, because like Kuz is... I, I didn't was, count Kuz at first. That's where it was. Yeah. yeah. Caruso and Casey right. immediately came to mind, but yeah. You, you guys can't... This is an audio format, but Sabrina was literally had her fingers out. Like, Who's the, who am I missing? <laughs> surely and anthony is not giving positive comments towards dennis schroeder like, that's not happening well what's funny <laughs> what's funny is that like that was the point that i made back at the time that they traded for rust was like it's not that kuz is an all-world defender it i i do think caruso is an all-world defender right and i i i think that kcp, KCP got is... defensive player of the year votes <laughs> right right it's not so much that I think those guys are overwhelming in their own right as players. It's that the Lakers lost them and replaced them with like vastly right. inferior defenders. And, yeah. and, you know, maybe, maybe the lesson to take from this same Brooklyn team that we're talking about is that uh, you just have to defend enough. Cause that's kind of what we saw from them is that like mm-hmm. all season they had, like they would have, I think had they won the championship, they would have had the worst defense in the history of the NBA to win a championship or something like that. Yeah. And at least the ranking too. Yeah. And, and so, but like once we saw them in the postseason, they all buckled down, they all started playing, you know, slightly better defense because those guys are talented players um, and talented enough to maybe defend a little bit. And maybe that's what the, the Lakers are banking on this year is that we have built with defense in mind. Maybe it's easier to build with offense in mind and then just hope, you defend well enough that Frank Vogel gets the team to defend enough. And I, I, I can understand the gamble. I, I kind of get it. You can just play like that Jedi mind trick on, you know, opposing players during the postseason and hope they get in their own heads and can't make shots. And yeah, it works when every team plays the Lakers. So why can't it work in the opposite <laughs> Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just very excited to see these two teams play one another. Um, I think at this point, health is something that you just have to bake into the equation. Like, Kyrie Irving has missed about as many postseasons as yeah. he's played in. Um, mm-hmm. James Harden may be entering a phase of his career where he starts to break down. Same can be said for Russell Westbrook. Both of them were tremendously durable to start their careers and now have had issues the last couple seasons. Um, and we've seen Harden disappear in postseasons. I do. We do have to point that out. That, that is that, like correct. He, Harden he has, has played been... himself off of the court occasionally. <laughs> he was pretty good next to Russell Westbrook, actually. It was Russell that kind of took on the disappearing act that I... It is so strange to me, all of just the conflicting, like these intertwined storylines <laughs> that are at play with these two teams. Like, yeah, you know, Kevin Durant left OKC because of Russ and Harden left OKC because they didn't want to pay him. And then Russ joined him. And then the other two joined that didn't each go other. Very well. <laughs> Kyrie Irving and LeBron were teammates. And then Kyrie wanted to get away. And like, we just uh, need Scott Brooks to show up for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and it's too and, bad and, he's an assistant coach on the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he never coached or was affiliated with the Lakers, so the Lakers were never going to add up. That's that's correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on that note, 
<laughs> our mom and Shab episode of the podcast has come to a close. Uh, Anthony, the croaking really like got better as the episode went along. This is a very impressive yeah. uh, flu game effort from you. <laughs> <laughs> we got a Photoshop like my like I'm I'm leaning. You're there's Scotty Pippen in this role, and my head is just bowed because <laughs> my voice is finally going to give out. Did there's nobody else like just like we did with with Phoenix. We didn't mention Milwaukee barely. And I think that's it. I think those are the, that's the only team. Yeah. Um, Milwaukee, uh, the same way that I thought, like, you know, the, the Lakers kind of um, just play into Utah's strengths. I feel very similarly about Milwaukee with LA's defense because they just put a lot of pressure on the paint and that's mm. what the Lakers are best at guarding. Um, you know, I, I think they only played at full strength once this season and the Lakers ended up winning in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I like Giannis quite a bit. I think, I think LeBron has a little bit of that. Like this is still my league. If he were to play mm-hmm. against Giannis, yeah, uh, I, I think we would see something truly epic out of LeBron if those two teams matched up in the playoffs. Oh my god, I, it's too bad that like because I don't think we're gonna get it because I think Brooklyn beats Milwaukee. But Correct. if we could get Lakers Bucks, the series that we would get from LeBron. Although, like you could make you could maybe say the same Just thing. Bring back Kristaps for it too. <laughs> But <laughs> I just I love that there are some players that LeBron just goes out of his way to remind. No, 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 this is mine. We've seen like him Luca. do it with Luca. <laughs> yeah. We've seen him doing with with Zion for Zion, some reason. Yeah. Saw him do it with with Giannis and Jay Crowder. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope he enjoyed salsa dancing off the court at Staples Center in Game Six because I don't, I don't think he's going to get a moment like that again. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I, I need to figure out where I can put money that the Lakers wind up doing something salsa. Like, I hope the, the Lakers should just lean all the way in. Like, like every... none of them are on the team anymore, right? Like, unless well, LeBron is going to be doing the salsa dancing, which feels a little beneath him. A little, <laughs> no, not much, I'm saying, just a I'm little. I'm saying the Lakers, like, as an organization, should have the Laker girls salsa dance <laughs> every break. Like, every single, <laughs> every timeout every stoppage and play halftime quarters everything have a mariachi band come out and play the 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 the, the uh, star spangled banner all of it <laughs> maybe we should have stopped three minutes earlier before this idea <laughs> and i've been canceled well oh man i do love that idea though a mariachi <laughs> band coming in during timeouts man that, yep. that sounds like a great experience um, yep. Something to look forward to during the 2021-22 season. <laughs> yep. Well, that has been our show. I'm Sabrina Merchant. That was Anthony Irwin. Hope you're subscribed to all of our Lakers podcasts on the Silver Screen Roll feed wherever you want to listen to your shows. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>